Welcome to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God. Pastor Larry Sterling, we invite you to join us in a service soon. We're located at 379 Avenue A, East Point, Florida. Our service times are 11 a.m. and 6 p.m. on Sundays and 7 p.m. on Wednesdays. We pray that this week's message inspires you to shine the light of Christ to those around you. Deuteronomy 16, 16. When you find it, stand with me for the reading of the Word of God. Deuteronomy 16, 16. I want to pick up on something the Holy Spirit spoke this morning. Why we should never come to God empty-handed. Bible tells us in Deuteronomy 16, 16. Three times a year, all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses, at the Feast of the Unleavened Bread, at the Feast of Weeks, and at the Feast of Tabernacles. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. And they shall not appear before the Lord empty-handed. Let us pray. Father, one more time tonight, we say thank you. Thank you for your presence. Thank you for the fullness of joy that comes from being in your presence. Lord, tonight as we give, Lord, attention to the word of God, may it fill us, may it empower us, may the glory of the Lord shine upon us. Lord, I know beyond a shadow of a doubt that God, you brought everybody here to receive from you. They're not here by accident or by chance. God, you were you brought them here to receive this message, this important message from you. So Lord, I pray a blessing over every soul here tonight. I pray God that we would have our hearts and minds open to receive the word of the Lord. Thank you, God, for being with this church tonight. And Lord, we thank you. Anoint me that I may speak your word. Anoint my heart, my mind, that I may bring forth your word. Anoint our ears to hear the word of the Lord so that we may be doers thereof. Bless us, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. You may be seated. And when it comes to loving the Lord, as I spoke about this morning, is that many times we we have come to God in a in a for the lack of a better way of saying it in a lustful way, because as I said, to love the way the Bible wants you to love means that you are. Willingly, sacrificially giving of yourself and giving of your actions unto somebody or someone else. And loving God means that you, means not that you're asking God to bless you and not coming to the house of God, turning God into a lustful event, saying, Lord, pour on me and, and do not offer anything to God. 
and not and when we come to the house of God, churches all around America today, and they're out there, and they're turning God into some kind of a, a issue where they want, they just want more. They want to consume and consume and consume and consume, and they're not wanting to give unto the Lord. Freely you have received, freely you shall give, the Bible says. When God blesses you, it is to be a blessing. When God covers you with his favor, it's so that you can bless others. He never gives you something so that you can monopolize it. When he gives you his love, he wants you to give his love. He wants you to show his love. He's not just doing it for you. He's doing it so that his love would shine through this world. And as I said today, and I hit this nerve because I know this is something the Spirit spoke to me definite about, is that so many times we come to the house of God and we come empty-handed. We come wanting to pull something off the shelf and tell the Lord, Lord, feed me. Lord, fill me. God, help me. Now, there's nothing wrong with bringing your petitions to God. There's nothing wrong bringing your brokenness to God. There's nothing wrong bringing your pain and sorrow to the Lord. As I said this morning again, the Bible tells us to cast our cares upon him because he cares for us. So that's not what I'm saying. I'm not saying when you have a genuine need that you don't bring it to the Lord. But what I'm saying is everything else being equal? When you come to the house of the Lord, you come with something in your hand to give God. And what the Bible says is a sacrifice of praise. You come ready to praise God. We have too many people come to the house of God wanting to involve themselves in the music and, and, and want the music to be a particular way or particular song. Well, I'm just not going to clap today if they don't sing my song. Or I'm not going to do this if they don't play that way. If, or this is not happening the way I like it. Or I, 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 if it's to you Sunday, I don't know what, what I'm going to do. I'm thinking I might just sit there for a little while. You don't come to the house of God wanting, you, wanting yourself to get something out of it. You don't come here empty-handed. You come to give praise to God. Now, I hate to break this to some of you country western style singing loving people. I can't stand it. I don't like the banjos. I, I, I don't. I enjoy it if it's a good, you know, concert or something but that's just not my style but if somebody came here and they wanted to have an old bluegrass gospel song fest I'm not going to get so wrapped up in the music style because I'm not here because of what they're doing I'm here with my hand full of praise ready to give it to God and I tell you God will bless you God will bless you I should say I can't stand it I can't stand it I can handle bluegrass, but it's another whole thing altogether. Just talked to my son. His first experience with some of these Christian rap artists, he had to put his earphones on because I didn't want to hear it, you know, that kind of thing. But anyway, he thought it was sinful or something. I just told him, no, it's just that he didn't like it. <laughs> but but I, I, I have my preference of style of music. I have my preference of way I like to hear it. 
But when you know I leave, that's what I listen to. When I go to my car, that's what's programmed in my car. When I at my house, the way I like it is the way it uh, I have it set up. It does not matter to me at the church that I'm at. If the church that I'm preaching at, I've been in some places where I've seen about 15 guitarists all the way across through across the stage, and they're all playing their version of bluegrass in all different way. And I still know God moves all over the place. It's not the style of music that moves the hand of God. It's what's in your hand when you walk through the door. And if you come, and I hear this all the time, I came to receive from God. So what you're saying is unless you came to give something to God, you've just treated God like Walmart. Well, if I don't get what I want, just ask my wife. Every time she goes to Walmart, they don't have what she wants. Every time she goes there, she gets to the place that she wants, and she says, they're out of it again. They're out of it again. Every time she goes there, and it's just something that happens to her. God just loves her so much. Every time she goes, it's not going to be there. So she has to go to another store. And this is the way we deal with in church where that particular day, that's not you came to God, you came to the house of the Lord with something in your mind of what you wanted, the what you wanted to receive. If you were after some cucumbers and God had lettuce and you weren't having any lettuce, you wanted cucumbers that day and you weren't going to be satisfied unless you got your cucumbers and you walked out of here and said, I didn't have church. It wasn't good. It wasn't a blessing. There wasn't anything there for me. And God said, I had a wonderful salad. You just turned your nose up to it. You hear me today. We come with preconceived ideas of what we want from God. And God says, I have every service prepared a banquet table for you. Every time you come, I have prepared something for you. I'm not going to withhold from you any good thing. I'm not going to withhold from you anything that you have need of. But all I ask of you, the entrance requirement is this. Have something in your hand. Now, the Bible tells us here in Deuteronomy chapter 16, 16, there are three Jewish feasts that are found here in this passage. There's the Feast of Unleavened Bread, which also covers the time of Passover. There's the Feast of Shavuot or Pentecost. And it's the feast, and then uh, the last one is the Feast of Sukkot or Tabernacles. So unleavened bread, weeks, and tabernacles. And so when you see these three specific feasts, God says when you celebrate this time, do not come to celebrate, do not come to this feast with your hands empty. Do not come to this feast with your hands empty. These are three different feasts. Two of them are in the springtime. Passover unleavened bread is in the spring uh, is in the springtime as well as the feast of weeks or the Pentecost. Then in the fall, the 
asked of the seven feasts is the Feast of Tabernacles, which or in Hebrew is the Feast of Shavuot, and this is the final feast of that year. And what, what we're dealing with when it comes to these feasts is that they are prescribed certain times of worship. Now what the problem is is that we can turn these things into religion. We can turn these things into religiosity and turn them into just going through the motions. And many times people come to the house of God and they just go through the motions and just get in the system, as I said this morning, and get into a rut. They get into a way and they can't get anything out of the service because they came with the wrong thing in their spirit. But the Bible tells us in John chapter 4, verse 21, Jesus is speaking with this woman at the well. This woman at the well. And she, Jesus says to her, woman, believe me, the hour is coming when you will neither on this mountain nor in Jerusalem worship the Father. You worship what you do not know, and we worship we know what we worship for salvation is of the Jews. But the hour is coming and now is when true worshipers will worship the Father in spirit and truth for the Father is seeking such to worship him. God is spirit and those who worship him must worship in spirit and in truth. So, with inside of your hand, you've got to have two empowerful things here in order to qualify for worship. Number one, you've got to know a truth. You cannot be ignorant about God and worship Him. Oh, that's hard. Some people, they, 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 they want to worship a God that they do not know. Jesus said, that's your problem. You don't know him. You don't know the situation. You don't know who he is. You don't know anything about his power. You don't know anything about his might. You don't know anything about who, what he's doing in the world. And people will come to church and they, you'll see them. They'll come in sometimes as visitors. Sometimes the unchurched, the lost will come into the church. And maybe they might be clapping in response to what's happening around them with people clapping and worshiping the Lord. But they're not getting anything out of it because they don't know God. They might have heard about him. They might know a truth or something about him, but they don't believe the truth or they don't have the truth in them. So the first thing that is in your hand has to be the truth. You have to know the word of God. You have to know the Bible. And that means that you cannot come, you cannot take for granted what the Bible says. You've got to study it. You've got to read it. You've got to listen to it. You've got to allow it to consume you. You've got to allow it to get inside of you. You've got to spend time in the Word of God. You've got to have it permeating your being so that all of your life is about the Word of God. You say, well, I, you know, I don't have that kind of time. Listen, find the time if you want to have it. Have God bless you. You want more of God. you got to get what God has already given you. You see, sometimes when you sit down at my table, my kids, they don't like what the food is that's there. But the, the answer is, listen, if you don't eat the food, it's here. Number one, daddy's going to eat it and it's going to make me fat. Because I'll eat mine and yours because it's good. But number two, you don't get the dessert on the other side. 
And too many times you will come and you will come and you'll, God will present something to you. And because you're not wanting to consume of that, you're not wanting to deal with that, you, you won't eat of it. You won't partake of it. You won't feast upon it. You won't hold to it. And you'll, you'll pick and choose what you want. And you won't allow the word of God to just get inside of you. Listen, God is there and he wants to bless you. But if all you ever read in the word is passages about blessing and passages about his favor and passages about the enemy that's going to fall to your left and fall to your right, you're never going to get to the passages about David where he went into the cave and people were chasing after him and all the trouble of Joseph and all the pain of Moses and, and, the, and the suffering of Jacob and all these things that are in there, these real stories and you might have a false idea of what God wants for you in your life. So you've got to have a steady diet of the word of God. And sometimes I recommend there are many ways to do it. Get a Bible on CD. Get a Bible on tape. Get a Bible in some way and listen to the word of God. Allow the word to just soak into your life. Do as much as you can to know the truth of what the Bible says about the situations that you're in. Because the more of truth that you know, the more you can worship him. It's harsh, but it's the truth. The more of God that you know. Now also, don't forsake the understanding of experience in your life. Because there are trials that God allows you to go through. But let me tell you something so powerful here. Mm, Thank you, Jesus. God is preaching his word to you through your experiences. And God wants you to recognize that the pain that you're feeling, the trial that you're going through, the situation that you find yourself in right now is God preaching through you so that you will know a truth, so that you will know that he's your healer, that he's your provider, that he's your sustainer, that he's your comforter, that he's, your, he's all in all. He, you're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that devil will come in later on in your life and he'll try to come up against you and you'll remember what you went through 20 years ago and you say devil you're a liar I know my God I went through the pain when I didn't have any money to fill my cabinets but God provided devil you're a liar you can meet my need you can touch me you can speak me and speak into my life oh God one of my mentors he was he was teaching me one time and, and you know, I was still a younger pastor. i call still going to claim that today. But I was really young in ministry. And he was teaching me, you know, and I was moaning and kind of complaining a little bit about the lack of finance in the church. I said, you know, I mean, we, we, have, we only have a certain amount of money coming in, and it's hard to do ministry. And he looked at me, you know, and he said, I'm about ready to build a building that's, I think he said, $10 million. And I don't have the money. I said, yeah, you got bigger problems than I do. (laughs) I shut my mouth right there. I ain't complaining. 
And what I learned is that sometimes we look at somebody else and say, well, if we just had what they had, we'd be all right. You know what I'm saying? If we just had what they had. Well, you don't recognize the faith that he learned when his church was running 20. The faith that he learned that God provided is the same faith that he knows now. I think they're getting ready to pay that new building off of 3,000 seats. That same faith got him through that is going to get him through this. You see, you can't ask God to take the world when you can't even take your street. When you don't have enough faith to deal with your own neighbors. And you don't have enough faith to deal with those around you. And you can't, and, and you're asking God for huge things. And Jesus says, why don't you do what I put you there for? And if you are faithful in this thing, I'm going to reward you with other things. But we have to learn that where we are at that moment, we have to remain faithful there. Because the experience of here is going to be a truth. For here, that you can worship God in the middle of your trial. Mm. And so worshiping the Lord in spirit and in truth means that I understand a truth. I know a word, whether it comes through experience that has been, has been tried by the word of God or it is actually a verse of scripture that's in the word of God, you know it to be true, and you can bring that to God. Because some of you all, every Sunday morning, you bring with you all the truths of your life. You bring with you all the struggles of your life. Listen, this is why it's, it's awesome to me to watch some of our seniors worship God. Because they have been around for a long time. And they have been around. And so they brought with, they're bringing with them heartache. They're bringing with them pains of this life. They're bringing with them all the things. But they're also bringing with them every time God delivered them. And every time God healed them. And every time God has set them free. And every time God delivered them. And every time, and they bring that to the house of God, and they worship the Lord. We got people that can't worship God when they're 18, 19 years old, and they haven't even experienced anything yet. Let me tell you, it comes to the, when it comes to life and it comes to these things, you have to recognize that every time you come to church, it's just not this day's event. It's everything you've been through because God is not about a God of destination. God is a God of the journey. He's about the journey in your life. You see, when you're walking through this world, he wants to put things in you throughout your life. It's a journey and a process to get you to the other side. And so when you are older, that means you've been through more and you endured more and you suffered more, but yet you're still standing here and you're still worshiping the Lord. And maybe your body can't respond like it used to. And maybe your heart isn't like it used to, but you're still willing to come to the house of God and lift that hand up to the Lord and worship God and him alone. Praise God. So we, we, we understand this process and we understand th- this, that God is there. He's faithful. He's just. He, he's righteous. And, and, and those that experience, those that endure these things, they, they're able to give this back to God in a powerful, majestic way. 
And so when we come into worship, we also bring our spirit with us. And so you can't know a truth without the spirit because then the truth becomes dry. It becomes something of uh, of routine. It becomes something of just... uh, crackerish so to speak where you you're dry you eat these dry crackers and your mouth just gets so full uh, of those and so you're you're dry your worship becomes dry and the reason why is because you have not connected with his spirit you're bringing you're bringing just truth you need to bring your spirit too i can see it too and you know when it happens because I'll, I'll watch, I try not to pay attention to you all. I don't care if you look at me. But I'm trying to get my mind in on what God's telling me and what God wants me to speak to you. And so I'm focusing on this. But every once in a while, I'll turn and look towards you all. And I'll tell you when people are engaged and when people aren't engaged. I can tell when people are just going through routines, singing a song. Because I, it's funny. Because it's, it's an interesting. One week, you might be standing here, tears just coming down your face. And, you know, just speaking in tongues and glorying God and all this thing. And the very next week, you're just... Why? Because your spirit has not engaged with his spirit. And not to say you sinned or anything, but you're not worshiping until your spirit grabs a hold of his spirit. And what happens is the enemy tries to bring all these filters in with you. That you you remember, man, I got to do this project tomorrow. Oh, my goodness. Little Susie, she's got this thing here. She's got that thing there. She's got this. Or he's got to do this. And all the things of life or the cares of life, Jesus says, will sometimes choke up the seed that has been planted in in there and the enemy uses your mind to steal what God wants to do for you right there. And so your brain has not been released and let the spirit take over. Has not, your brain is still engaged. Your brain is still processing and analyzing and going through all, all the, the ideas in your mind. This is why we set up worship services in a particular way. It's not to manipulate you, but it's intended to help you clear your brain. Let me just be blunt. Worship services that have fast music at the very beginning, those are called cobweb clearing moments. You come here, and when the worship kicks up, it, it needs to be fast. Why? Because we need to beat all the things of the world out of you. We do. Your brain is thinking about the parking lot. Your brain is thinking about, man, I wish we'd get one of them bigger overhangs so that when it rains, it's not so bad. You know, your brain is thinking about all these things. So what we do is we just start with fast music. And and, uh, you didn't know there was actually a system to it, did you? You start with fast music. And as you begin to beat all the things of the world out of you, and you begin to, and, and then we begin to slow it down. Why? Because the, your brain is now trying to, is now disengaged from the things around you. And now is the time to bring in the slower music. By the time that you end the worship set, the slower music kicks in. And by that moment, you are, a, you are now spiritually ready to engage God. That's the system. And so this is the way, it's simple, 
Because we're simple people. It's not hard. But the reason why that flow works this way is so that at the end of this moment, at the end as we were singing in the presence, as we're in there, we really are in the presence. We've Our minds have been released. Uh, The things of the world are no longer in the frontal lobe of your cortex. They're in the back part of your brain. They're shoved somewhere else. And now we we are in the very presence of God, thinking about God, thinking about the goodness of God, thinking about the joy of the Lord, thinking about the blessings of God. But have you ever been into a service where the very first song was very slow? And it's the same song if we would put it at the end. That song, you may be weeping and and crying and all this stuff. And you're sobbing, so we need to hand you tissues. But the reason why it's hard for you to engage is you've got to learn to release at the beginning. Spirit has to engage truth. Spirit has to engage truth. You've got to clear your mind. So I, I'm teaching you this, I guess, because I want you to learn in your, in your home, in your life, when you want to worship the Lord, kick on some music that's a little faster. Kick on something that allows you to get into his presence that, that begins to worship the Lord and then put something on that's a little slower. But why? Because this, you'll see this on CDs. You'll see this on live music. You'll see this on many, uh, 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 many different concerts of, of worship sets. Why? Because it's, in, it's sole design is to get you to talk to God. It's not the edification of the beautiful music. It's to get you built up in the spirit and so that you can worship your God. So worshiping the Lord, Jesus said, God is spirit, verse 24, and those who worship him must Worship him in spirit and in truth. And so, let me, as we finish this sermon tonight, you got to have spirit and truth in your hand when you come here. When you come to this house, don't come empty-handed. But I want to cover three things real quick. So don't, don't get excited that the pastor's done. We're going to get to... Get to leave early tonight. No, no, not today. Not yet. First of all, Deuteronomy 16, 16 says, Three times a year all your males shall appear before the Lord your God in the place which he chooses at the feast of unleavened bread. Now, these three feasts are three truths that you need to have in your hand when you come to worship. These spirit and in truth that we just talked about, this verse of scripture tells us that you got to have these three things of truth engaged with your spirit in order to receive a blessing from God. And I want to tell you, 
as human beings, we are always in a situation where the enemy wants to rip one of these three out of us. He wants to distract us. He wants to pull these one of these three situations. One of these three feasts represent some type of truths that will help you worship God. First thing is the Feast of Unleavened Bread. Now, the Feast of Unleavened Bread happens at the time of Passover. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is simply this. When the Jews were slaves in Egypt, their bread did not have time to rise. And so they had to leave almost immediately. They had to leave. That The moment that it was time to go, they had to go. And so what the Bible says is they declared a feast of unleavened bread so that in what practice of what they is they search their whole house for leaven. They search their whole house to see if there's any kind of leaven. And then for one whole week, they do not eat any bread with leaven in it. Okay? When it comes to worship, one of the most important truths, one of the three, that you need to have when you walk through this door is you have to know That God has delivered you. The Feast of Unleavened Bread is not something to remember sin. It's to remember what he brought you out of. You see, you were bound into this world. And you were bound in suffering. And you were bound to sin. And if you died then, you'd spend eternity without God. You spent eternity without any hope. And God tells you, when you come to my house and you come to worship me, do not come in here forgetting that it was me that delivered you. I want first thing out of the gate, when, you, when I see somebody not being blessed, it's because we have not engaged the moment of our deliverance, that we've forgotten at some point what it was that we were living before we met Jesus. And sometimes we need to be reminded of what a, how powerful he delivered you, how you were stuck in darkness and stuck in despair and changed the things of this world, but your God pulled you out. You were stuck in the miry clay and he grabbed you out of there and brought your feet on the solid rock I tell you you gotta come to the house of the Lord and worship him because he delivered you (laughs) praise God we we live and we live sometimes spoiled if you've been living with the Lord for a long period of time, and we get spoiled when we forget how he delivered us, how he delivered us, how he set us free, how he did the work. And I also want to tell you that my deliverance does not stop at my confession and my conversion. My deliverance is every day. My deliverance is Yesterday, he delivered me. The day before, he delivered me. Today, he delivered me. I, I'm telling you, if the hand of God was not on you right now, the enemy would have taken his chance this day to kill, steal, and destroy you. He would have took the chance the moment God pulled his hand back. You say, well, I don't really believe that. Well, then you need to read Job. Because the moment 
God says, you can come this far, but don't touch a soul. The devil immediately, the Bible says that day, he lost it all. He lost it in a moment. He's not going to relinquish. He's not going to come in easy. He's not just going to barely do it. He's going to come in and try to destroy you everything. Why? Because you belong to God and he wants to take you as a trophy. Look who I deceived. Look who I did this to. And it's God. he's going to throw you in the face of God. But if you keep your mind on the Lord and you keep walking and you keep faithful to the Lord, you're going to continue in your deliverance every single day. Jesus told us to pray. Our Father, which art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And forgive us our debts as we forgive those I messed it up. Forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Should have asked my son. He can quote it. Deliver us from evil. Every day, you got to ask him to deliver you from evil because his is the kingdom. His is the power. He is the champion. He is the mighty one. He is the king of kings and the Lord of lords. You didn't get here because you're good. You got here because he's powerful. You got here because his blood washed you, washed your sins away. You're standing here tonight. You're in this room right now because God has delivered you. And when you come to church, one of the first things that's got to be in your hand is the, my deliverance. My deliverance is here. I'm here because my God brought me out. Don't come in here without your deliverance. Don't come in here without your knowing that God delivered you. Don't come in here because when you start, when you come in without deliverance, what you look like is you're like, I don't know if God's able. I don't know if this is a really a rough trial. I want to tell you God is able to do exceeding abundantly above all that you ask or think. You got to know that God is deliverer. Dear Lord, give me a voice to finish this thing. Second, when you walk in here, second thing is the Feast of Weeks. He says that I, the Feast of Weeks, it happens seven weeks after Passover. Seven weeks after Passover is the Feast of Shavuot, the Feast of Weeks. In our time, it's called the Feast of Pentecost. And it's this time period that they celebrate when the Torah or the law came down out of heaven and sat on Mount Sinai. And Moses happened to be in the middle of the smack. And he got the law and he got all these things. And he walked down off the mountain to deliver the law to Israel. It's the Feast of Weeks. 
But the, the powerful thing for us today is the correlation between the Feast of Weeks at Sinai and Pentecost that we understand today. You see, at Sinai, there was thunder. At Sinai, there was smoke. At Sinai, there was a quaking. At Sinai, there was the fire of God. And I want to tell you, on Pentecost, the same fire of God that fell on that mountain is the same fire of God that sat on top of their heads like tongues of fire. And the same power of God that gave, that got poured out upon Moses, what did he do? He gave him to law to empower him to do the work of ministry that was to give the law to the people so that they would know what was right and what was wrong. I want to tell you that the Spirit of God that came to us on Pentecost Sunday that comes down and the anointing of God that comes to this place and comes over this house is the same Spirit that was there on Sinai. That means that He came down to put inside of you His Spirit, His anointing, his power, his strength, his might. And he came down to put his fire inside of you. And the second thing you need to have in your spirit when you come into this house is you've got to have to know this truth. God has empowered me. God has empowered me. God has gave me his power. God has gave me his anointing. God said to me that you shall be endued with power. You shall be clothed with power when you walk through this door. Don't come in here empty handed. Don't come in here without your power. Don't come in here without the anointing on your life. Don't come serving the devil all week long and then walk into the house of God without the anointing and the power of God on you because you never know what God wants to do through you in that service. Mm. We, as Pentecostals, we have too many people that, that come, they, like I said, they just want to get, they just want to get over and over and over, and God says, I empowered you. There may be somebody that's walking in cancer that you don't know. I, when my mother was healed of cancer, when she was delivered mightily of cancer, it wasn't the pastor that prayed for her. It wasn't a, a deacon that prayed for her. It was a guy in the choir that was anointed and God spoke to him as my mother came down for prayer and he didn't know her because he happened to be, it was a visiting choir and so when he got out of the choir he felt the Lord tell him to go pray with my mother this was back in 1995 and as he comes down out of the choir and lays his hands upon my mother the anointing of God fell in that moment and what the doctors had told her that could possibly kill her now was going to be delivered and healed in that moment and I want to tell you today it's not because a preacher prayed for it's not because some Holy Ghost evangelist came to the church it's because somebody in the house of God came with the power on their spirit and they laid hands on the sick and they shall recover. 
Don't come here thinking I'm going to heal everybody because I only get to pray for people that God wants me to pray for. I have no power to heal anybody to start with. It comes from the Lord. You should come in here ready to lay hands on the sick and shall recover. You should come in here with the anointing of God all over you to know that God has a plan for you. Don't come in here empty-handed. Don't come in here without your anointing. Don't come in here without the power of God that has been put on you by the fire of God and the strength of God. Come in here with the thing of God, the anointing of God all over you. Mm. I tell you, you do that, you watch this church just, it will take off because it's not about I'm telling you over and over and over in this thing, but it's the truth. It's not about one individual in particular. And if it becomes that, we miss the thing of God. But it could be that sister so-and-so that day may be going through something and God puts in you an anointing for pray for her and you walk over here and maybe you've never done this before, but yet you know that you can't get it out of your head. You can't get them out of your mind and you know you just got to do it. I want to tell you that's when the power of God is all over your life and you came to worship the Lord. Not saying that it shouldn't be done indecently in order because that's what the Bible tells us to do it. You don't come in here and go crazy, but you come in here and you just offer yourself up to the Lord. You seek God. You follow God. You hear from God. You speak to God and you worship the Lord and you say, God, Lord, if you want to use me today, God, my, I am a willing vessel. Pour me out God let me be poured out so that somebody else may receive some blessing because let me tell you today we've been too many wanting to be poured into we want to be filled up you want to get filled up fill up somebody else with the gift of God that's in you right now and I tell you God will fill you and fill you and fill you and fill you like a well that's overflowing that will never find an end if you just pour out the gift of God that's in your life spiritual maturity comes with knowing that you have to give in order to receive babies are the one that don't bring anything to the table they're the ones that just get the milk they're the ones that somebody's holding the bottle and there is nothing wrong with a baby because we all love them these babies are cute. We want to hold them. But man, you get to be 14, 15 years old, if I still got to give you a bottle, it's getting a little uncomfortable. You understand? It's getting a little odd. You've got... Sorry. Too many of you had a mental image on that one. You've got to learn that you have to continue what God put in you. In order to grow even further, you've got to allow God to pour in. Pour in so that you can pour out. The more you pour yourself out, the more he'll pour in. He'll, this is why pastors, this is what I, I, I try to explain to ministers and others, you know, because we always give, 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 give. And somebody says, well, I just want to receive some time. Well, you don't do that in the middle of church. You do that in your private time when you're seeking the Lord. He's going to bless you and fill you. 
If somebody comes to me and says, I'm just burnt out, just can't handle it. Why? Because I just keep giving, 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 giving. I know the stress of this life has stopped their prayer life. Every time. It stops their worship. The cares of this life. And it's not that they're sinning. I don't mean that. I don't mean that they're bad people. It's that when you give, 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 and you have nothing to replace, that means somehow you've stopped God from pouring in. His word is true. It's not a lie. It's truth. So there should be a well of living water coming out of you on a regular basis. It should be coming out of you. And there are times that we stop up the well, stop up the well with the cares of this world. Lastly, there's the Feast of Tabernacles. So firstly, Feast of Unleavened Bread, God tells you, I have delivered you. You come to the house of God knowing that God delivered you. Secondly, for I have empowered you. He's put your spirit in, his spirit on you to go and to give. And lastly, the Feast of Tabernacles is a time of rejoicing. It's the last feast. It's the last feast in the season. It's the seventh. And not counting the, the later one of Hanukkah or the Days of Light. But this last biblical feast, you see, right before this time, there's what's some, sometimes called the days of awe. The days of awe. And in this time period of the days of awe, it's time to remember what God has created and God has done, the, the beautiful things that God has blessed and touched you with. And in the middle of that days of awe, it, it, it's also a time of what's called teshuvah. And, and in the middle of those days of awe is a day called Yom Kippur. And Yom means day, Kippur. Uh, I just lost it. It was there and it was gone. Day of Atonement. Whew. I must be getting tired. <laughs> day of Atonement. One day every year. One day every year. A high priest would go into the temple in the Holy of Holies and he would offer the atoning sacrifice. And so if leading up to that day of atonement, there would be people of repenting and people of just seeking and self-seeking and seeking the Lord. And the Bible speaks about this time because as you are honoring God during this, this moment, right before the days of atonement, you, you, God says he begins to pour out his favor upon them. And then a day of atonement takes place, this, this day of, of, of coming. And then the new year, the biblical new year takes place. And then at this time, as we go into this, we go into what's called the Feast of Tabernacles. And what they would do is they would take these tents and they would all camp outside of the wall of Jerusalem for a week. And as they would camp outside and they would, they would remind themselves of what God did for them while they were wandering through the wilderness. It reminded them of the cloud of glory that guided them by day, of the pillar of fire that watched over them by night. It reminded them of the days of their visitation, of his anointed presence over their hearts and lives. Y'all with me? 
So when you come to the house of the Lord and you come into this church, it's a time of celebration. Because what the Bible tells us here is not only has he delivered you, not only has he empowered you, but he has also restored you. He has restored you. Everything that the enemy stole from you this week, God just gave right back to you. Mm. And if you didn't get it, it's because you came in here empty-handed. You come to God empty-handed, and you come into the house wanting to receive from God, but you don't have anything to give to God, then the things of this world that stole you and stole your, stole your life and stole stress and all the tasks of this world are still going to be there when you left. But if you come to God within your hand, praise and worship unto the Lord, and you give this to God, you're going to, God, you're going to walk out of here saying, I have restored you. It's almost as if you have woken up from a night of fitful sleep where you wake up the next morning and you feel, man, I have been restored. I feel good. When you leave a good church service, you walk out of here feeling, man, I've been restored. The things of the world has come off of me and I feel good. I'm ready to go back out into the world. And the thing that you wanted the most to receive is what God gave you because you gave him praise mm. amen don't come to God empty handed God says I have delivered you I have empowered you and I have restored you and they spent seven days outside the tent with shouting on and they began to praise the Lord and they began to re rejoice unto the Lord it was God that brought you through darkness it was God that led you through the trial it was God that killed the Amalekites it was God that took out those Egyptians it was God that brought down the walls of Jericho in your life when the world said there's no way you're going escape but God brought them down it's God that has restored you to your place in his kingdom we ought to praise him every time we walk through this door praise God thank you for listening to the weekly podcast of East Point Church of God and Pastor Larry Sterling the Lord bless you and keep you the Lord make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace.